Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown, where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. Tall tales. True stories. And current goings on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in summer. Welcome to episode 123 of the Brown County Hour. This is Dave Seastrom. And Sarah Lytle, along with the rest of the crew. This month we have a conversation with the widow of Slats Klug, Jane Mitchell, as we talk about the memorial concert that took place at the Brown County Playhouse. And we'll share three songs from that event. Jim Eagleman has a few words to say about not-so-native plants. And we have an interview with Maggie Sullivan from the Friends of Lake Monroe. We also have an interview with Rich Reardon and Don Jordan from Inside Outdoors. And Dave Seastrom shares a few thoughts about rattlesnakes. Our first segment begins as we interview Jane Mitchell, and she shares a few thoughts about their time together and the memorial concert for her husband, Slats Clue. Jim Eagleman reminds us that not all plants are native, and we'll close with a song from the memorial concert, Good Way to Die, performed by Dave Gore, Robbie Bowden, Carolyn Dutton, and Doug Harden. On Sunday, May 1st, a group of more than 20 musicians gathered at the Brown County Playhouse to perform a collection of songs written by Slats Klug. Slats was the beloved troubadour of Brown County, and this memorial concert was a tribute to him and the wonderful music he wrote and performed during his all-too-short lifetime. We would like to convey our thanks to the Brown County Playhouse, to Rich Vapergo, and to Keenan Rainwater Studios for such an excellent production. I'm here this evening with Jane Mitchell, who is Slats's widow, and she and Keenan Rainwater put together a fabulous concert of musicians. We all enjoyed ourselves so much, Jane. It was really good. It's wonderful to have you here and hear what you'd like to add a personal touch to a public persona. So thank you. It really has been, we really started doing this in uh, November, and uh, Doug Harden and Rich Morpurgo and Keenan and I, and it's just was amazing, the musicians, I mean, who wanted to participate and just thanked me over and over for being allowed to be part of it, and I shed some tears with them reminiscing about slats but it was, uh, when the show happened, we, of course, you guys know it was a picture-perfect day. And it was overwhelming, for one thing, post-COVID, to suddenly see all these people be able to go up and hug them. 
and just the outpouring of love and support for slats from the people who were there as well as the musicians was just uh, a fantastic thing. I didn't realize he'd written so many songs for other musicians, it seemed like. Like Frank played one on his album, and it seemed in Frank's style, and I really liked that 59 Ford. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And on the... uh, on the CD, it was uh, Gordon Lowry that played or that sang that, but I think what people maybe didn't realize was that for you know thirty plus years, Slats wasn't just doing hadn't just done the Brown County CDs. You know, he had been a studio musician. He had played gigs with you know lots of different musical artists. You know, jazz musicians. He did a reggae show one time um, in parks and different venues, of course, like Players Pub, and uh, sat in and participated on a lot of people making their own uh, CDs, like Robbie Bowden and Tim O'Malley, who performed also. So yeah, he's uh, been very involved in many different ways that people probably didn't realize before. I remember toward the end of his life, he used to say, I just want to show up and play music with different musicians. Right. He um, really, the last years of his life, he was in retirement. And what he really enjoyed the most was actually doing studio work and helping friends out, you know, craft their own songs and uh, worked a lot with uh, Dan Withard, who performed at the show as well. And uh, so he was in Richmore Purgo studio with Dan and was helping Dan with his second CD when he got sick. And the other thing he was working on, which I really wish would have gotten farther along, he was going to do another Christmas CD, but more along the line of like a children's version. And I think of, you know, Sugar Was My Very Best Friend, that Christmas song, uh, The Circle Goes Round, and just how that sort of song but, you know, obviously that unfortunately never never came to be. Did you discover a lot of things he'd written? Oh, that... it was crazy. Uh-huh. He had, a, he had a notebook in every, you know, room and in the car. And, uh, and unfortunately, it's kind of like chicken scratches. I've considered putting together, you know, trying to write down all these different lyrics so that maybe, I don't know, something could be done with them. And then something else I found on my computer was for Summer Sky, he had done these demos. So imagine all the songs, most of the songs on Summer Sky, he was singing them with just an acoustic guitar or the piano. And so it's sort of, to me, something I'm considering having made into a CD because it's sort of like a Just Slats CD because there isn't anything like that. Just his voice and in that kind of unplugged sort of CD like, you know, like Eric Clapton did and stuff. But it's very personal and I love his voice and so that would be all you're hearing is just him singing. You've brought something along with you as... Is it something you wanted to read or? Oh, well, one thing I wanted to uh, say was I think at the show, 
people got more exposed to the Summer Sky CD because they hadn't maybe heard a lot of those songs, like the one that Barry Elkin sang. And what I wanted to say was that um, David and Kitty Wilkerson from Martinsville had put together uh, a page where you can go and see the lyrics. So for anybody interested, say, in 59 Ford or uh, Lexi Ziegler's song, Love is a Drifter, a Jeb song, Bare Bottom, you can go to slatsklug.com, and then there's, you know, some photos that go with the lyrics. And uh, Yes, that sounds wonderful. And the other thing is just uh, that we're hoping uh, I, that to get all of his music on Spotify at some point. There's a limited amount of CDs. And they're available at Weed Patch and the Brown Candy Antique Mall. But once they're gone, you know, that's it. And so I'm hoping uh, we can get his music on, on the Internet. He had a wonderful voice, and we sure all had fun. And he was just such a nice person. Thank you so much, Jane. And thank you for sharing the website. I'm sure our listeners will like to check it out. Okay, thanks for having me on. Song, a topic hold Say a prayer for a little star glow With family in Wisconsin, in Madison and the Dora Peninsula, we've been traveling back and forth lately. I always enjoy seeing different parts of the country, and maybe just for a few weeks away, possibly like you, always enjoy returning to Brown County and our home here. There's no place like home, and home again, home again, jiggity jig are words we mutter as the car pulls onto our road, traveling and seeing how others live, the roadsides and distant scenery, gardens, woodlots, farms, and suburbs. As they fly by, it's good for you, I insist, and Recall the quote from Mark Twain, Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, and charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all of one's lifetime. Says a lot, doesn't it? And seeing trees and plantings and how people landscape their property is both delightful and yet disturbing at the same time. How can this be? I guess I tend to target in on the many Bradford and Calgary pears, trees that are springing up all over the place. You've heard these big, usually white and fully shaped trees. You've heard about them and no doubt experienced their popularity. It's a common response from people who plant them. They are fond of the perfectly full and symmetric shape. Both pears were developed by our own U.S. Department of Agriculture and were thought to improve our world with a fully shaped, perfectly formed white flowering tree in the spring, and it would surely grace eventually all homes and businesses. They took the pear and had it orig- that had originated in China, and like many experimental botanists are prone to do, they tweaked certain characteristics like flowering, glossy green leaves, its size, it would never get the size of an oak, and its upright and symmetrical shape. 
It was destined to be a success story for use here in the U.S. From the 1960s, the Calgary pear was the urban planner's gift. It was that full shape of the tree that really caught on. Due to the tree's habit of growing tightly closed branches with narrow crotches from close multiple branchings, it made the perfect tree for playgrounds and roads. But planted beyond the recommended range of balmy winters and warm springs and summers, the tree didn't do well in winter storms as snow would gather on the narrow branches and break under the load. So by spring, you had a tree with holes in its shape, the first negative to be noticed by homeowners. But this, too, was overlooked in favor of the spectacular fall foliage, rivaling New England's fall beauty. Oh, yeah, and it didn't drop messy fruit. It grew fast. It shrugged off pests and diseases and grew in any kind of usually poor soil. Sign me up. I want one of those. Calgary and Bradford pears have been likened to a comic book supervillain who starts off good, then crosses over to something darker. It turned from thornless to spiny, limber to brittle, and tame to feral. Most of all, it became invasive and is now an ecologic disaster, and it'll continue its spread for decades, long after any appeal is worn off and generations in the future are faced with this demise the problem is it's squeezing out our native flora <clears throat> due to its aggressive nature of spreading seeds by birds who relish the fruit. Thought to be sterile fruits that would not germinate, they do, and they spread by the bird's droppings, germinate in advance, becoming more genetically diverse and making these pears even more adaptable to their own spread. The fact that they are not native and can be harmful to our native vegetative scheme is very true. You often hear the argument, well, there are other trees that occupy monocultures like the pears. The eastern red cedar comes to mind. This is a native tree and belongs here, but may be considered a pest, especially to farmers and livestock owners who graze their livestock in pastures where the red cedars grow. But unlike the pears, the cedar does not invade new habitats. It has evolved pests that can control its spread, and the red cedar tends to thrive on meager resources where it is well-suited. A common axiom in nature is the more variety, the better. Nature thrives best when there is a variety of species, be they birds, animals, or trees. Why? Well, because if there's a disease that affects a species, that one species may be reduced, may be even lost, but the community as a whole continues. In diversity, there is stability, another truism in nature. Native plant groups locally are determined to curtail the sale of the Bradford and Calgary pear that are still for sale, believe it or not, in some nurseries. We learn from our mistakes, said a USD botanist recently. But let's not continue that mistake. Remove any Bradford or Calgary pear that might be growing on your property, he says, and let nature, in its variety and diversity, continue to thrive. As always, your comments and questions are welcomed. Contact me here at the Brown County Hour. WFHB Radio. I'm Jim Eagleman, and this is Nature Ramblings.
clearing the land No stacking the wood No teaming the mules Or following the plow I don't have to do that now Skipping along This backwoods run Steered by the breeze Talking to the sun Humming a tune Nobody telling me how This living is easier now Telling these lies That have to be told Whistle my tune They gonna feel old Plenty of wood And a stash of moonshine I found me a good way to die Pitching horseshoes and seeing my friends Spinning my tails, I'll do it again Acting a fool and taking a bow This living is easier now Now my stories are calling I'm heading to town Ready for winter I'm hunkering down Feeling so young I don't want to know how This living is easier now Telling these lies That have to be told Whistle my tune Ain't gonna feel old Plenty of wood And a stash of moonshine I found me a good way to die I found me a good way to die a life of freedom like I never could Just hunting the land and burning the wood And fishing for dinner or just fun Anyhow, it's all that I'm gonna do now Thank you Thank you. Now we pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville and online at wfhb.org. Support for WFHB comes from Our Brown County, a magazine for locals and visitors featuring art, entertainment, and county characters since 1995. Printed six times a year and available online. More at ourbrowncounty.com. Segment two begins with a radio play written by Suzette Weekly and performed by the Unusual Suspects radio acting troupe called Waterspout. We have an interview with Maggie Sullivan from Friends of Lake Monroe, and the segment closes with another song from the memorial concert, Jack the Wonder Dog, performed by Barry Elkins and Brandon Lee.
On a small southern Indiana lake, my friend Wendell and I were sitting in an old metal fishing boat. We call our boat Lucky because we found her stuck in the mud at the bottom of Lake Griffey some 10 years back, right after the city drained the lake to kill off an invasion of high-voltage electric eels who had taken over the water. Would have been okay, but they gave the mayor a terrible burn after he went skinny dipping with a few of his council members. I guess those eels thought they'd seen a herd of earthworms or something. Anyway, with a couple of hardly used fishing rods, a cooler full of ice cold beer, well me and Wendell and Lucky, we headed out to the middle of Lake Griffey, ready for the annual Big Betty Carp Tournament. No one could have predicted the kind of adventure we would have on that fateful spring day. Watch out, Betty. We're coming for you. Well, I tell you, today's the day, Roger. We're going to catch the biggest carp in Lake Griffey. Maybe the biggest one in all of southern Indiana. Big Betty. Darn tootin' we are, pal. Then we can finally cash in on that prize money. I'm almost in the mood to throw my line in the water. <laughs> Me too. I'm getting there. <laughs> Don't do what we did last year. Yippers, we spent the entire day last year just getting in the mood. Didn't even cast a single line in the water. Well, it's going to be different this year, buddy. You betcha. Hopefully we'll catch Big Betty before the big storm blows up. You don't believe that breaking news crap about us getting some intense season-challenged storm, do you? It's fake news. Look around you, Wendell. It is a beautiful day. I hear what you're saying, Rog, but, you know, with the climate change and all, it's hard to predict what the weather might be up to these days. <sighs> climate change. Total nonsense. That's just the government's way to keep us scared. Hiding out in our homes where they can keep an eye on us through our, you know, smart appliances and TVs. And the internet, where we're watching the professional wrestling and the roller derby and Judge Judy. Oh, 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 just a minute now. You know... Roger, you're getting a little bit uh, in the outer limits for my comfort level. On the other hand, I sure do hope you're right about climate change. Look, all I know is that if I don't come home with some fish today, Mary Jane's going to kill me. The grass is out of control, and you know how Mary Jane is about grass. Oh, that girl sure does love her grass. Yes, she does. Not to mention, I still have to mow the lawn. <laughs> so, so what do you say? You want to drown a few worms? Big Betty's calling my name. What? What was that? Was that Big Betty? Uh, no, I think that was just the sound of my belly. What'd you bring for lunch, good buddy? Beer. Oh, my favorite. Mine too. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. We watched in horror as what must have been a water spout rose right out of the lake. It started small, then grew until it had become like a monster tornado headed to shore, with our fishing boat directly in its path. Wendell, let's tip this boat over and hide under it till this thing passes over. Grab the cooler, get it under here. Only one thing to do now. We could feel the lake swirling around us as the storm tried to pull the boat from over our heads. We heard the sound of, well, just about everything being thrown and crashing into the hull of the boat. But as fast as that storm had come, it left us. Wow, did not see that coming. It's quiet out there now. You think it's safe to peek out? I guess so. How about on three? One, two, three. Here, grab my hand. Let me help you back in the boat, Rog. 
Oh, all right. Yeah, there we go. Oh. Once we were settled back in the boat, we were able to relax and look around, and we were in a place like none we'd ever seen before. Well, the colors were brilliant. Sun was shining with a peachy amber glow. Well, it looked like a painting from the Bible, or dare I say, field and stream. Did we get killed or something? We sure ain't in Indiana anymore. Is this heaven? Think about what you're saying there, Wendell. Is there any imaginable way the two of us would end up in heaven? Okay, I hear what you're saying. Probably not, but look, the cooler is here, and it's full of beer. Again! Like I was saying, something was definitely different. The air was sweeter and thicker than usual, and we were more comfortable than if we'd been at home in our old Lazy Boys. And it smelled pleasant, like the lake itself had been mixed with cinnamon rolls and beer. Hey there, boys. We heard a seductive female voice. We were confused because for sure there were no ladies to be found, at least not nowhere around our boat. It was a mystery until... I've been waiting for you two. Hey, did you just hear what I heard? I don't know. Why don't you tell me what you heard, then I'll tell you if I heard that too. Oh, fellas, now stop pretending like you don't know me. I'm the girl you've both been dreaming of. Uh, I think that would be impossible because my dream girl is not invisible. Um, mine is. Confused, we looked down to where that amazing voice was coming from. Next to the cooler was the most beautiful fish either one of us had ever seen. Well, she was the size of a beagle. She glistened like a rainbow when the sun shined on her golden scales. She stared up at us with her bright yellow eyes and she just had beautiful, plump red lips. Yeah, like Angelina Jolie. Yeah, just like Angelina. Hold, wait a minute, Wendell. I'm the one telling the story here. Oh, sorry, Raj. But she did have lips like Angelina Jolie. Thing is, although that fish was, well, a fish, she was looking right at us. And she was talking. Please be more careful, boys. You can easily kill a gal with those big old soggy boots of yours. Oh, well, pardon me. I mean, oh, excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. Hey, wait a minute. I'm talking to a fish. How, how'd you get into our boat anyway? I'm not exactly sure, but I recognize the bottom of your boat. All the fish know the safest place to be is under your boat, so that's where we were. Well, then the next thing I know, I'm sucked up into the sky with you two yahoos, and, well, here we are. By the way, you can call me Betty. Okay, then. Want a beer, Betty? No, thanks. I'm a fish, but I really don't drink like one. In fact, I don't really drink at all. I live in the water, you know. But I do find it quite interesting that we're all breathing the same and we're all just doing fine. I mean, don't you think that's kind of weird? Uh, well, now that you mention it, uh, I don't think it's kind of weird at all. I think it's extremely weird. Two guys in a fish are in a boat breathing the same way, and, and it's even more interesting that we're having an actual conversation here. Yeah, now that's hard to believe. What are the chances of a fish speaking perfect English? About the same as a Hoosier, I suspect. Look up, Roger. Where? Over there. There's something in the sky. Looks like a big old flock of blackbirds, and it's a heading right for us. 
Oh no! It's the net! The net? That sounds dangerous. Oh, it is. The net scoops everything and everybody in its path, smooshing it all into one big mush of stuff. It's gruesome! I even saw a trap a possum once. A possum? Well, he was no ordinary possum. The net. As we watched that black mass getting closer and closer to the boat, it seemed to get lower and grow wider and louder until the sky above us was black. The net had grown large enough to completely cover us. The boat, the cooler, talking fish, just all of it. It only took a second for the net to cover us, and before you could say holy mackerel, we were being drawn not up, but down into the abyss, while our boat was being sucked down faster than a chili dog at a tasty freeze. Oh, ooh. You okay, Roger? Wendell, I think we're trapped under the boat. Oh, geez, we're under the boat again? Yep, I think so. It's so dark. Yep, we're under the boat again. Well, let's try and push the boat off of us and swim to the surface before it's too late then. Well, that didn't work. Well, I this guess, is not good. Guess there's only one thing left to do. Yep. You guys in there? Hello? You guys in there? Betty! It's it's Betty! Yes, we're in here, but we're stuck in the mud! We've fallen and we can't get up! Oh, seriously, Roger? Hang on, boys. I'll get help. You! Everybody over there, come help! On our way, Betty! Here we go, Betty. Muskrat, chew a hole in that net. Get it off that boat. You got it, Betty. Okay. Thief, get one of your damn sticks, and we'll use it as a lever. Sure thing, Betty. Here, let's use this one. Come on, everybody. Come on, we're gonna try to pry it up. Lift it up, guys. I'm not sure how she did it, but Betty gathered all her aqua friends. She even had the elusive Lake Griffey monster helping us out. <gasps> Somehow they managed to loosen one end of the boat, making just enough space for me and Wendell to squeeze out so we could escape. With the cooler? Yeah, with an empty cooler. What? The cooler's empty? Well, I reckon it's time to go home then. Yep. We floated back to the shore with our empty cooler. We knew we'd met Big Betty herself. We even had her in the boat. And how beautiful she had been shining in that sunlight and how she saved our lives that day. Well, that was worth more than any prize. We knew that no one would believe us if we told them the truth, so guess this is just gonna be our the one that got away fish story. Only we're the ones that actually got away. And we left old Lucky on the bottom of the lake, right where we found her 10 years ago. The Unusual Suspects radio acting troupe is Becky Staff, Mark Scrapper Blackwell, Suzette Weekly, Hondo Thompson. Special sound effects were created by Chuck Wills. It is my pleasure to introduce Maggie Sullivan, who is the Lake Monroe Watershed Coordinator, and she's here to talk about a community forum that you all are sponsoring. Thanks for having me. We're actually sponsoring three community forums this oh. spring. We're having one in Bloomington, one in Nashville, and one virtually for people who want to attend from the comfort of their own home. 
So I was mostly going to talk tonight about the one here in Nashville. We'll okay. be at the Public Library on June 9th from 6.45 to 8.30 p.m. And the goal with these forums is for us to reveal the newly completed Lake Monroe Watershed Management Plan. And this is a plan that talks about water quality in the lake and also in all of its tributaries, many of which are in Brown County. So that includes Salt Creek, uh, Greasy Creek, Owl Creek, Knobbone Creek, Sweetwater Creek. I could go on. But uh, a lot, about three quarters of Brown County eventually drains into Lake Monroe. And so anything that uh, is on the ground in the Lake Monroe watershed can get washed into the streams when it rains and ends up in the lake. So a lot of our study is about water quality in the lake and the streams and what we can do to improve it. Well, there you go. And, and this is all under the auspices of Friends of Lake Monroe, is that correct? Yeah, Friends of Lake Monroe is the nonprofit that has organized the development of this plan. And then the forums we're doing in partnership with the League of Women Voters. So we're very grateful for League of Women Voters of Brown County for helping us organize and find the space and get the word out. Excellent. So time and location. 6.45 to 8.30 p.m. on June 9th in the Brown County Public Library. In one of the uh, meeting rooms? Yeah, the down, big downstairs meeting room. Okay, excellent. Okay. Oh, yes, yeah. WFHB. Yeah, that's right. So tell us about the Bloomington event. So our first forum will be in Bloomington. It'll be on May 24th, which is next Tuesday. And we will be in St. Thomas Lutheran Church, which is on East 3rd Street. Again, it'll be from 6.45 to 8.30 p.m. So we'll talk a little bit about the watershed management plan, answer questions. And then we're asking for feedback from the community on how we can engage the community in making this plan a reality, getting people to take action, doing things like taking care of their septic systems, planting trees along creeks, doing everything they can to prevent soil, exposed soil from getting washed into our lake. This sounds absolutely excellent. Uh, I assume you all have a website that we can visit for more information and the Zoom connection for the Zoom meeting? Mm -hmm. For more information, you can visit friendsoflakemonroe.org. And on our events page, we have all that information. Thank you so much for coming in, Maggie, and sharing this information. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I run this here county, nothing like the council man. Running on my paws cause a runner of what I am. Like my old pal Danny, us dogs we never lie. We can't run our hearts out cause the legends never die. Said, cut through the garden of Grandma Barn, didn't hurt one flower. With the weeds on wheat patch hill and feet on the fire tower. I tore off the fruit day on bark with the auctioneer. Sold him off the doghouse and then tell him Jack was here. Sprinting get a tagger, and it's where I run his home. See my old tail wagon when I throw to old knob bone. Outrun the Illinois Central, any horse, Harley hog. Cause I'm that flash black, you see I'm Jack. Wonder dog.
me down to Tallcorn, Possum Trot Toon. See that tree at John Alcorn and that old gypsy moon. Head south to Panther Creek, sticky little rest. Bed down in Magnolia, that's where it grows the best. I rambled in the bean blossom, Dr. to get my shot. Stand to the bluegrass, old Bill's picking hot. Play me a blue moon and a song rock a pen. Tell me to walk softly, I hit the road again. Down to milk sick bottom, I know better than to trade. Onions grow too thick down there, thick as the old blue haze. I leave behind Ellenberg line and race towards Rose Log. I'm that flash of black, you see I'm Jack. Wonder dog. We pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at WFHB.org. Support for the Brown County Hour comes from listeners like you and the support of the Brown County Inn, a family-friendly getaway destination located in Nashville, Indiana, offering locally sourced food, drinks, and live entertainment with banquet space, indoor-outdoor pool, miniature golf, and more. Information and booking available at browncountyinn.com. Our final segment begins with our interview with Rich Reardon and Don Jordan as they share a few memories about the WFHB call-in program, Inside Outdoors. Dave Seastrom has a few stories about close encounters with his neighbors, the rattlesnakes. And we'll close the show with Krista Detour's rendition of Early Grave from Slats Klug Memorial Concert. It is my pleasure to introduce Rich Reardon and Don Jordan from Inside Outdoors. And you guys have just concluded a 20-year run of the only call-in program WFHB has ever sponsored, which is just absolutely remarkable. Yeah, we started on WGCL, which is uh, the local AM radio, Sarkastarzian, WTTS. and uh, There's still AM radio? There still is. (laughs) But we we were not— preaching to the choir. We were preaching to uh, anybody that, that's interested in, you know, what's going on in Monroe County and, and, our, and the amazing uh, outdoors that we have. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We are really in the heart of it right here. Yeah. I'll give a quick background real quick. Uh, right. 
when I first started, I, I started working for them and I started producing programs. And I uh, asked a friend of mine, Rick Shedd, who runs Shedd's. Uh, right out there at Paint Town, okay, and uh, said I want to do a fishing show. I always wanted to do one. You know, I grew up in a, on a lake and stuff uh, with my grandparents back back east. And uh, he said, No, I, I don't want to do that. I don't have enough time. I'm busy. But uh, this guy over here on uh, Moffat Lane, Bill, Buddy Bill, uh, you got to go talk to him. And I did, and we started doing it. We had uh, we just taped it in the in his Buddy Bill's bait barn. Nice, and uh, he had, he was had been around since the early '60s as a uh, doing various things, but his little bait shop, and um, so it, we had a lot of fun doing that for years. And then eventually, Don joined us. Uh, that was about 2007, something like that. Yeah, I think so. Now, we Don, started, you're an outdoors writer. Well, he you've I seen him in the paper for years. Yeah, yeah. I was for uh, 47 years. I was a member of the Outdoor Writers Association of America, which requires you to publish so many things a year, et cetera, so they give you credentials. Okay. And, uh, so I, I was welcome at a lot of places in those days uh, where outdoor writers used to be in every newspaper. And now there, I think there's one left in um, South Bend. Is that right? So even the Indianapolis paper didn't have No, one. no. There, when uh, Bayou Bill, do you remember him? Oh, yeah. When he uh, quit or retired, uh, that was the last one in Indianapolis. And um, after I left here, there was a few guys that uh, had their column in the local paper. And then I came back uh, doing my column from afar and selling it to the HT once a week Okay. for a long time. Well, so... What was the primary focus of your show? I know you talked about a lot of different things. Well, it's amazing over 20 years, too, because we started in 2002, Bill and I, and then Don came in a little later, and um, it was such a wonderful thing to just talk about, hey, going fishing, going out to Lake Monroe, where you could do things, hunting. I'm not a hunter, uh, necessarily. I grew up in Pennsylvania, and so I did, but my main focus was I was interested in fishing. You know, it was just really fun to talk about all the positive things that were happening. And then that dwindled over 20 years. And the last few years, it was kind of depressing to talk about, you know, the blue algae, you know, yeah. that we were just talking about yeah. and, and other things. And, and, uh, and the increase in logging, the uh, the loss of all, all the stuff. habitat. Uh, I mean, and I know your show kind of shifted gears and you started interviewing all these ecologists. Yeah. Uh, and that's important information too. But through the years, I don't want to focus on that because I never wanted to. Um, but but I, we had deer biologists and uh, you know people talking about cicadas and we've had <laughs> you know all the cool things that have happened around here. I, I did catch a, a tiny segment of Buddy Bill eating corn chips, pretending to be eating cicadas, right. which was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Well, that was kind of an interesting thing because Bill agreed to do the show. And he didn't even ask for anything, but I said, we'll do commercials for you, you know, for Buddy Bill's Bait Barn and on WGCL. He, I realized that he'd just do anything I asked him to do. So, 
we had this guy out talking about cicadas, and he was talking about a party that he had with his students, like where they, you know, put chocolate covered cicadas <laughs> and everything. And and I said, Bill, do you do that? And he, oh yeah, I, I eat them all the time. And then so I brought the next week, I brought a bag of Doritos and said, just keep talking about, you know. And it went it went on from there. It was really funny. And and we have a whole thing. We created a. Actually, it went on for about a year where I did a bunch of commercials with him, and then we put it together on a CD and sold them at Buddy Bill's Bait Barn. And we made $40, $50 a week with these guys that come in, yeah, I'll buy that, you know, and because nice. they, the, they knew the commercials that we had on there, and they were just funny, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, obviously, Buddy Bill is a man of great humor. Wonderful guy. Yeah. He'd say stuff about the hummingbirds catching a ride on the <laughs> – see, he's already groaning. <laughs> And it was like, oh, you know, that doesn't really happen. But it was just, it, it was fun, you know, just fun things going on. And he talked about, and we all talked about old wives' tales and things that went to the past. Where was Lake Monroe? What was there before that? And, right. and all that stuff that he had been through. So we covered topics all over the place of things that were interesting. We also did uh, some amazing stuff, like uh, Oliver uh, gave us a ride in their balloon and we went all the way to Seymour or somewhere, you know, and we taped the show up there. Nice. And uh, we flew around the lake with an airplane one time. And we, there's all kinds of interesting things through the years that we that we were able to accomplish, have fun with. You you guys were live, and that that's a whole different animal than what we do where we tape the show. Well, like I said, it was a lot of fun, man. It was nice to talk to the people that listened to the show. Yeah, it's no. the only feedback that you get. Yeah, and, uh, that I, was really the best part of the whole thing. That's one element that we will never have in the Brown County Hour, and I'm sorry mm. for that. Yeah, it's too bad, really. Yeah, it's uh, very enjoyable. We we do get a chance to uh, be live on the radio during the fun drive, and all of us look forward to that. So mm. there is the thrill of realizing that okay, if I really screw this up. <laughs> it's going out on the radio. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, 20 years. That's remarkable. And thank you so much for coming in and sharing your thoughts and your stories. And really appreciate your effort through all this time. Well, thank you. Thank you. From all accounts, Brown County is a snaky place. I'm sure this is true in most forested and rural environments. But Possum Trot Road offers something that's no longer commonly found in Indiana, rattlesnakes. In years past, our area was known for an abundance of these critters, and a couple of stories come to mind. There's a big pond down the road from our house that was built in the early 60s. The excavator was a man named Doris Fleetwood. And I've heard from a member of the crew that when the bulldozers started working, this caused a massive migration of hundreds of snakes who fled for their lives by moving down the valley. According to the eyewitness, this migration consisted of snakes of all types, including black racers, corn, bull, common water, garter, copperheads, and giant rattlesnakes. From what they said, there were so many snakes that for safety reasons, they decided to hold off until they had all cleared out. My friend Dean Walker told me a story of a rattlesnake he saw when he was a little boy in the 1930s. A friend of the family was driving his car on Bear Creek and saw a huge rattlesnake crossing the road. He eased his car forward 
and trapped the snake with the tires, killed it, and wound it up and put it in the trunk of his car. This fellow was so proud of this snake that for the next few weeks he drove around the county showing this snake to everyone he knew. Dean remembered that by the time he saw it, this snake stank to be damned. But the fellow pulled it out of his car trunk anyway and stretched it out to show how large it was. Dean was a kid at the time, but he guessed this rattlesnake was at least eight feet long. When we acquired our property in the early 80s, we saw many rattlesnakes every summer. At first, we were afraid of them, and we were concerned because our kids were little. This misunderstanding caused several unfortunate run-ins that resulted in the death of more than a few rattlesnakes. During those times, we even ate a few. Eventually, we grew to understand that rattlesnakes are not aggressive, and because they're easy to see, they're also easy to avoid. As we came to know them and understand that in spite of their reputation, they're actually not dangerous, I remember having a powwow with our neighbors where we declared a truce and vowed never to harm them again. And, as far as eating them goes, the very best use for rattlesnake meat is to leave it intact on a living snake. We stopped harming the rattlesnakes we encountered several years before the state made them a protected species. Unfortunately, this official mandate doesn't always protect them. Prejudice and fear still cause many of these critters to come to harm, but logging takes the largest toll by far. Rattlesnakes are distinctive, and it's easy to identify an individual snake. For many years, we would see at least seven to ten individuals several times each summer. They had particular places they liked to hang out, and we could always count on seeing them in those locations, sometimes two or three at a time. Most people are surprised to learn that rattlesnakes are docile and not at all aggressive. One time, I damn near stepped on one, and we both freaked out. The snake went one way, and I went the other, and no one was bit or harmed. Time and again, when I encounter a rattlesnake, if they think I'm too close, they let me know by rattling their tail, and when I back off, they flee. Fortunately, our dog Wilson is attuned to all things snake, and when he spots one, he stands back, points at the snake, and emits his distinctive snake bark. However, Wilson does not discriminate between snake species, and his reaction is the same no matter what the snake may be. We had a crew of roofers working for us, and I asked them to help me load a rotten sunfish sailboat into the back of my truck so we could move it to the dumpster and offload it. By that time, they'd seen so many rattlesnakes, they were leery about helping me with this task. Before we loaded this boat into the truck, I carefully scouted the area looking for any sign of snakes, and I assured them that I didn't find any. As soon as we started loading the boat into the truck, an enormous rattlesnake hightailed it right between our legs and disappeared into the grass. When the boat was in the dumpster, the boys had to acknowledge that at least I was right about them not being aggressive, even though I was wrong about everything else. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. I have sung this song on stages all over. This sounds, it's my standard encore. I take complete credit for it when I'm not here. So. I'm just kidding. I never do that. 
It's the morning of another day But they won't be mourning me Cause the fool that lashes out my way Will get a taste of hickory Quicker than a match at fire I'll strike him to an early grave And the man who lays a hand on me Best have his funeral paid A woman came back around my kitchen door for some tea and sympathy yeah. A shot of courage and some talking to I got that woman off her knees If you're doing business in the dark And stone your neck
Steve Mascari, I'm Krista Dutra. I love your slats. Thanks for tuning in to episode 123 of the Brown County Hour. This show was recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville and brought to you the first Sunday of the month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. and anytime online. Be sure to look for us on your favorite streaming services. The Brown County Hour is brought to you by a diverse group of folks who believe, now more than ever, the world is for everyone. This show was produced by Chuck Wills, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, Sarah Lytle, and Dave Seastrom. We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. You have been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County. Oh